Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Unknown. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm here with Maureen Ellsbury, Ryan Sprague, and Shane Hurd. Thanks for hanging out with us. Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation, that new UFO show on the History Channel brought to us by Tom DeLong and his impressive team of military, government, and aerospace insiders at To The Stars Academy, aired its season one finale on Friday, July 5th. I was in Roswell, New Mexico at the UFO Festival last week, so we're playing catch-up today by covering the final two episodes of Unidentified. We'll get to that in just a minute, but first, let me tell you about the Roswell UFO Festival. So, if you've never been to the Roswell UFO Festival, it happens every year around 4th of July weekend, and it is... It sounds like an old person thing to say, but I, I don't know. Roswell seems to me just to, like, lend itself to being called a hoot. Because Roswell is a hoot. And I know all of us here have been to Roswell. And Shane, I missed you there this year, buddy. We had so much fun last year at the festival. But yeah. this thing is is fun. It's a, it's a town festival. The whole town comes out for it. They close off Main Street. The Main Street is lined with all sorts of vendors. They have gotten better in recent years. And they now have a, a beer garden that's set up Um in the street and they had multiple breweries and a winery that had different uh, segments of this beer garden. So I definitely spent some time there. Um, <laughs> they have live music. They've got stages set up. They do um, a human costume contest, a pet costume contest. They do a parade. They've got lecturers. All of that is there. The sort of structure of this event has remained largely unchanged over the last few years, but uh, they've got a pretty good thing going there and they draw a pretty good crowd every year. And it's fun. I mean, if you've never been to Roswell, Roswell is just kind of kitschy and fun and they've embraced the whole UFO thing as they should. So for any UFO geek like us, um, it's a, it's a fun time. It's a, it's a weird, funky town. Everything is UFO. There's UFO painted on everything. It's it's kind of a blast. Yeah, it's like one street to Main Street. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Love yes, it. that's right. And as it seems to always do every year, again, it rained this year. Um, I don't know why that is, but every festival, it seems to rain at some point and... More t- often than not now, it seems to be on parade night. So on the night of the parade, it uh, it started raining a little bit, but it wasn't uh, anything bad and certainly not enough to keep the parade away. So that so- image you posted of the uh, woman who did the UFO roller skating outfit <laughs> yes. was so incredible. Whoever she is, I give her so many props. That was Cool as hell. It was amazing. Yeah, I, it was I this, loved it too. That was awesome. Yeah, it was this this woman wearing a, a, a UFO was her costume and she's on roller skates and the UFO was illuminated. So she's there <laughs> skating in the parade and like spinning around like a flying saucer. It was awesome. <laughs> that was oh, so man. cool. Yeah, she must have gotten dizzy. <laughs> but there there was some incredible costumes this year. The costume contest, both the human and the pet costume contest, were pretty darn impressive. And we have some photos up at rogueplanet.tv. So check those out if you're interested. But I got to say, and these guys didn't win either, but there was a, a group 
And the costume contest is broken out into different categories, you know, like children and teens and I don't know, some other categories, but one of the categories is groups. So if you want to dress up and do like a team thing, you know, like all four of us went and participated in the costume contest, we could dress up together and do like a group thing and be judged all together. (laughs) So like a themed thing. Um, So this group of, of teens came out in military uniform holding like Roswell memory metal like material from the crash (laughs) and the host of the the costume contest was interviewing uh one of the the people in this group and she explained that her father works at the new mexico military institute museum and with his help they analyzed all of the photos from the that, that are related to the roswell ufo incident um, looking at, you know, the infamous photos of like Jesse Marcel posing with the material on the ground and, and Colonel Blanchard and, you know, all the other players, they studied the photos and created their uniforms to be historically accurate based on those photos. So down to, you know, the, the, the ranks on people's uniform, the, the medals that they had, they were all playing different characters from these photos from that time period and they took the time to do that research and re- recreate these uniforms that they were wearing to be authentic and accurate. That was super that cool, especially cool. for like being in Roswell. It was amazing. So they came out on stage, like marching as this unit, and they turned <laughs> and they wanted to present their findings. So they did like their staged, like rolling out the material and like standing there with it. It was amazing. <laughs> so, That's very elaborate. I, I love that. And for, for making it historically accurate and for being in Roswell at the Roswell UFO Festival, it was amazing. Those kids were rad. <laughs> That's cool. It's so good to hear like younger people, like, yes. no, first of all, knowing what the Roswell UFO yes. incident is, but getting that deep. That's awesome. It was so cool. Like I saw those people walk out on stage and I immediately felt embarrassed because I, I'm pretty confident I let out an audible Oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, what are you doing? Like, didn't you see that? Little... Did you judge this contest, Jason? No, I didn't. Yeah. And I, it would have been difficult. There was some amazing costumes. So, you know, yeah, it, I'd say, yeah, for everyone, go look at the pictures Jason took. Cause I looked at them on the rogue planet post and there were some incredible costumes that he took some shots of. Yeah. People went all out. It was really cool to see. And of course being, being a dog lover, it was fun, you know, seeing the pet costume contest because, you know, people went, some people went pretty crazy with their, their pet costumes too. And that was hard to see because they did it out, you know, in front of the, the, whatever it is, the courthouse or whatever, right there on main street. And they didn't have it like up on a stage. It was just down. So everybody was like huddled around and hundreds of people because everybody wanted to see the pet costume contest. But, you know, and I got there early and I like stood there like an idiot for, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. So I could have my place where I could take good photos and people kept standing in front of me still and crowding oh, in, yeah. but everybody wanted to see the pets. So it was really difficult to, to get photos of the pets, but I managed some of them. Oh, <laughs> how, how was it uh, with Friedman not being there for the first time? Yeah. So it was really bizarre. Right. And I was commenting to people how, you know, being at the Roswell UFO festival now feels weird because Stan mm-hmm. Friedman is not there. Jesse Marcel Jr. is not there. You know, it just, I don't know. It feels kind of less Roswell to be there without those icons. But 
Did they do a? They did some sort of special remembrance for Stan, didn't they? I, I heard people. Read... I heard people mentioning that. Yeah, okay. Alejandro yeah, Rojas said they did, and but I, 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 I didn't see anything. No, I told Kathleen they were doing something because yeah. uh, I had thought I had read something. So yeah, yeah. So they got to name a street after him. They really do. They oh, that's a great idea. No, I think that they should. I think they should change Main him. Street to yeah. That would be rad. Absolutely. Or Friedman's you know, Nuclear uh, Boulevard right, or something. Right, that would be cool. <laughs> or, you know, change the name of the museum. You know, that's something the museum could decide. Right. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the Stan museum. Friedman International UFO Museum and Perfect. Research Center. Yeah. Oh, so that's kind of like, awesome. I, I tell you yeah. guys, you know, I went to um, ELO a couple weeks ago, but right. because it's a new iteration, it's now Jeff Lynn's ELO. So perfect. Stanton Friedman's International. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. I like it. And I will say for anybody who's been to the museum before, um, you know, at the museum for the longest time, I mean, they, they have a lot of information in there. They have a lot of displays and stuff with a lot of information that goes beyond just the Roswell incident. It mm-hmm. spans UFOs. Um, it even goes into UFOs and pop culture. It's got stuff about Bob Lazar in there. Like it's, it's you know, pretty robust in its UFO displays, but they just felt so dated. I mean, you looked at yeah. that stuff and you're all, what decade am I in? It was really, you know, dated and and not it's really the, nice to stand there and, and look at this important historical information, but it's they the board. Yes. The cork board or whatever yes, the, it is. Right? Behind. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it looked really old, outdated. Um, they needed to do something and they did. They have gone through and sort of renovated their displays in there. They've modernized uh-huh. them. They look really, really? cool. They've got That's some awesome. like, Com, uh, computer screens like displays with like uh, you know touch screen interaction for some of this stuff wow <laughs> it, you know they've illuminated it so you can actually see what you're reading it looks really nice. modern hip they, they did it it was sorely needed and I mean it, it just it's a world of difference when you walk in there you're like, wow this is doesn't seem like the same museum uh, well it's really? about damn time yeah yeah exactly yeah. And, so yeah, I'm surprised they didn't advertise that in some way but, yeah yeah, yeah. So this is totally a story for another time, but Jason reminded me the other day that we did a ghost hunt after hours in the Roswell Museum when we were there during the UFO Fest a couple years ago. Yeah, that building Um, is super old. It used to be a movie theater. Yeah. We'll talk about that another time, but... I just wanted to bring that up because that sounds sweet. A lot of museum. (laughs) Right. And if you've been paying attention to to Ben Hansen's new paranormal show on the Travel Channel... Uh, we did our ghost hunt with our friend Ben Hansen yeah. upstairs. Ghosts and, of Morgan City, I think, is the title. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. That's right. So, yeah, we, we did our ghost hunt with, with Ben when we were there and, uh, yeah, had some interesting things. We'll talk about that. And, and we Garrett Wong talk- from uh, Star Trek. Oh, yeah, Garrett Wong. I forgot about <laughs> Garrett. Oh, yeah. I remember him. Uh, yeah, the things that happen cool. in Roswell. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our unidentified conversation. First, Shane is going to give us a brief recap of what episode five of Unidentified showed us. Shane? Yes, this was entitled The Atomic Connection. And it started out with them sort of teasing the Rendlesham incident. They played a little bit of uh, Colonel Holt's tape there. And then Lou came on and kind of made that connection between UFOs and 
carrier groups and nuclear weapon systems and nuclear power and all those sort of sources. And then <clears throat> sort of um, wrapped up that intro with some commentary from George Knapp, who, you know, kind of emphasized the point that um, even presidents aren't completely read in on all of the information regarding UFOs and these nuclear facilities and so forth. So it kind of set the stage for the episode. So the first thing that happened, uh, Lou interviewed a sheriff by the name of Larry Gessner uh, from a town called McCluskey, which was about 75 miles from the Minot Air, Fa Air Force Base in, in North Dakota. And he was also a, a member of the military at, at Minot when the um, UFO encounters happened there. Uh, he later became a sheriff, and then he even recounted a incident where he observed a UFO near his home in 2003. And then Lou was off to uh, interview. Uh, he met up with George Knapp again in Vegas, and they kind of talked about the many FOIL requests that uh, George had done over the years. And they looked at several documents from, well, really the 40s, 50s, all the way through the 80s. Um, and then uh, they kind of looked at the Minot case, 1968, and then the Maelstrom case, and both cases where UFOs sort of activated and deactivated nuclear weapon systems. So those are obviously, you know, pretty serious cases. And then uh, <clears throat> he moves on to interview Colonel Holt. They gave quite a bit of time to the Rendlesham case. And I thought what was interesting there, they, they had that kind of nice commentary for from uh, Lord Norton Hill. And then um, what I thought was fascinating, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but they, you know, publicly admitted that, yeah, there were nu light nuclear weapons stored there. So I'd never really heard that before. They always alluded to it, but never would say it. <clears throat> and then he moved on and he interviewed uh, John Burroughs of the Rendlesham incident. Uh, and of course, we know with John Burroughs, what they focused on was uh, how he was affected from being in close proximity to the UFO, caused him some health issues. And when he went to get those addressed at the VA, uh, his uh, medical files were classified and he had a real difficult time. And he ended up engaging Senator John McCain. And he helped kind of get some of that information released so that he could get his treatment. But what they ended up doing was interviewing one of his aides by the name of Carol Bennett. And she was the one that really did a lot of the legwork and paperwork and tried to get that information uh, to John. And she said it was one of her most challenging and difficult cases to do. So um, that was pretty interesting, kind of a new thing. Then they... Uh, did some questions and, and some commentary from Brian Bender, the, the um, uh, journalist from Politico. He made some comments. And then they uh, went to so, some comments from Greg Bishop, and in particular regarding Richard Doty. Um, and that's the Paul Benowitz case in the Kirtland Air Force Base. And uh, I think that, in my view anyway, Lou kind of dissed Doty and his tactics and how they were unethical. And they kind of made a point of trying to see, well, you you also were a disinformation agent. What's different, you know? And they brought in Chris Mellon and they chatted a bit about it. And they really said the difference is, is that they, um, you know, were promoting transparency of the UFO uh, information that the government has not trying to mislead people. So quite a difference there. Then they even had Fravor again, make some comments and then back to Brian Bender. 
and he kind of posed the the things that people don't talk a lot about how there's these things are either foreign countries tech you know u.s secret tech everybody's just crazy and hallucinating or it could be technology from some others and then finally ended up with lou and tom and uh lou kind of revealed to tom the political article where uh it uh, highlighted that the navy was going to change their ufo procedures and update those and make it easier for military personnel to report and when he did i i don't know i thought it was kind of an emotional moment between tom and and, and lou and um tom kind of went on to say this is really kind of the reveal of the century or you know uh, you know really important and significant so it's kind of how it ended up that's actually in the final episode but <laughs> oh was that it? last bit yeah Oh, yeah. Unless I'm crazy, no, but I, I think I thought that, it was in six reveal, too. That's that's the like the end of final six. <laughs> well, Shane, you're ruining my recap. I, I, I blew your. No, I'm pretty sure it's in five. You, you're just, just gonna have to go back it. and watch it, both of you. Yeah. All right. Maybe well, they maybe they you know got got mileage out of it and did it twice. I don't maybe. Know. All right. Well, let's go back first. So we're all extremely familiar with the Rendlesham UFO story. But Ryan, you've spent quite a bit of time with this case. So what are your thoughts about episode five and, and their covering Rendlesham? Yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see uh, them covering the nuclear issue. It's been a big part of this uh, this field for a while. Um, in terms of the Rendlesham case, I think they covered it very well. I'm glad they spoke to Colonel Halt, who's probably the preeminent person to talk about this. Um, it, it was a pretty good, I guess I'd say, Cliff Notes version of what went on. Uh, I think they talked to two of the most credible people involved the colonel and uh, John Burroughs. I found it really, really cool that they got Senator McCain's aide to come on. I mean, she got really emotional right. at one point, um, like almost in tears saying, this guy's a veteran. We need to help him. It's directly connected to this UFO event. So uh, that was really interesting. Um, I was a little disappointed, to be honest, that they spent so much time on the Rendlesham case mm -hmm. because it they made it sound, and they did this a lot in this episode, like what they were bringing forward was like the very first time. Ugh, and totally. we know that isn't true. I mean, the Larry Gessner case, the Rendlesham case. Um, I, I had issue with that in this episode, and I'm sure we'll talk about the last episode, of cases that were – you know, sort of swept under the rug for a while. And um, and it kind of seems like this TV show is making it out to be some huge bombshell when mostly all of this stuff, at least us in the UFO field, already knew. And that's kind of my overall thoughts on the entire six-part series or eight-part, whatever, six-part series. Um, but yeah, I, I love Rendlesham. I think they covered it really well. I just wish they had focused on some other cases. There's so many other interesting nuclear cases out there that was for me too like one of the most frustrating parts and obviously we we all know and have met all these people and have, have spoke you know colonel halt and john burroughs and spoke with them extensively at length and it's so, so frustrating to hear it presented like oh he's made this connection between nuclear bases and weapons and the ufos and i get it's tv that's what they do but yes that was extremely frustrating because it's like that connection has been there that everyone's been talking about for decades i well, mean we and, know about this yeah and there here, are a ton yeah. of sightings 
Here's another thing, too, that I guess this is more of a comment, and we'll get to these later, but uh, of the series overall. But with with how they approach Rendlesham, like, and how they're presenting these cases is like something new or, or something they're just discovering or, or kind of trying to present it. It seems like their audience overall is people who aren't familiar with this topic, right? Mm -hmm. Because anybody who is, is already familiar with these cases. This isn't earth shattering or anything like that. But in having that be their audience, the way they, even with Rendlesham, and I have to step back when I watch this stuff and try to try to view it as somebody who's not in this field, who doesn't know the people who are on the screen, not familiar with the story, and think of it, how are they presenting this story? You know, how is the storytelling? And would a new person just watching this understand the story or, or you know, what are they getting from it? And they really didn't explain the Rendlesham incident. I mean, it was sort of spotty and all over the place. And, and even the McCain thing, like they mentioned John McCain, they mentioned that, you know, he helped, but, and then presented the aide and said the aide, you know, filed this paperwork, but they didn't really explain exactly like what why John McCain got involved, what the issue was, what the outcome yeah. was. Like, it was just kind of, let's throw out John McCain's name. Yay. Yeah. Um, it was, it was really confusing. I mean, I was confused as somebody who's familiar with the story. So I think somebody new coming into it would be like, wait a second, what's going on? Yeah, it's like they tried to throw everything, the, the baby in with the bathwater with this one. Like, it covered so much, and uh, it should have been its own series, to be completely honest. Sure, sure. And, yeah, this this one seemed forced to me, um, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, Maureen, with trying to force that nuclear connection, right? Because it, we are familiar with the many cases of UFOs in proximity to nukes. Like we know that people can research that and find plenty of information about that. A lot of good books have been written specifically about that topic. However, I don't like the message that that's really sending that, you know, UFOs, we're, we're just discovering this and, and UFOs are only interested in our nukes yeah. and they're following the aircraft carriers because they're nuclear powered. And mm -hmm. so this is a thing like UFOs are here because of nukes. Well, what about the millions of other sightings that happen all the <laughs> right. time, right? So <laughs> sure. that, that was just really, I don't know. I, I didn't like that. It's just a small facet of the whole picture, basically. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think, again, we have this problem where all of us are immersed in this field and we've done a ton of research and we know all this, but this show is for the general public to be slowly introduced in a credible way to the fact that, we do have unexplained flying objects and submersible objects flying around, diving into water uh, that we do not know their origin. And I think for us, it's like, okay, we got to look at the story they're telling, except that they're trying to be like, oh, this is a big reveal when for us it's it's old news. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really hard to do it. But, you know, most of us have been through the TV production thing. We know how that goes, how editing goes. And that's the way you have to do it. But uh, watching it, yeah, it was extremely frustrating. Episode five was real rough for me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would say it's probably the, the roughest one for me so far. But we're, we're, I know it's really hard for us to separate these these thoughts with the episode versus the entire series so let's move on to the finale really quickly episode six maureen you want to give us a quick synopsis of that episode 
Yeah, quick synopsis. Should I get like, can I get like a drum roll first to get going here? It's a finale. I'll, like, do, it. I'll do it since I ruined your thing. At the end. And, I, and, and I'm a drummer, so ready? Perfect. I also play drums, so you should talk sometime. Um, or I used to, at least. All right, so. Rogue Planet Band. Yeah, let's get into the final episode of the premiere season of Unidentified. Basically, we start at this really like um, reality TV sheet uh, show emotional moment where Lou's packing his stuff into his bag, his uh, backpack we see so many times uh, in his closet. And he's talking about how much he's given up for his family to do this. You know, I gave up everything. My wife and my daughters are uh, on the, you know, kind of the cautious end of this. And I believe in this. And this is what I feel I'm meant to do right now because there's something wrong with the way things are happening in the government right now. So he's packing for a private meeting with some top uh, senior Italian brass, which includes uh, Lieutenant Colonel Claire Bruno Verduccio, I believe is his name. And of course our buddy, Dr. Roberto Pinotti, who's amazing. Uh, great guy. Anyways, they all get together in Italy and have a conversation about how they can share information and what's going on. And the Italian uh, colonels basically reveal this, even though I'll go into this, it's the same thing. We've known about this event already. Uh, this event that Lou says, oh, this is strange. It's the first time I've heard about a hostile UFO event. Mm -hmm. And this is an incident that happened in 2004 in Sicily, Italy. And basically what happened was all these mysterious fires were breaking out uh, in Sicily and nobody knew what they were or what was causing them. There were a lot of really mysterious situations around this. And eventually uh, they sent a helicopter out to sort of look around. It's a military helicopter. And a UFO followed it, a saucer-shaped UFO. Um, there are images caught that civilians captured of this happening that allegedly shot a beam out, like a solidified beam that damaged the rotors of the helicopter. And the helicopter was forced to land. Everyone was okay. But they have images of the damaged rotor as well. Uh, and then there was some other information about... Uh, the UFO sending some sort of energy weapon beams from like electromagnetic beams from the ocean. So again, we're getting that tie in with the submersibles uh, and also in flight. Mm -hmm. And it's weird. So it, this is, you get kind of little pieces of the conversation they're having and some who is kind of confusing of what they were actually trying to uh put forward especially since the lieutenant commander could not stop smiling the whole time which was weird yeah, uh, was, but anyways yeah. he kind of dropped the line that they may have figured out a way to communicate with this craft to explain to them that they understood the technology they had it was i don't we can get into that later but it's interesting because then they went and asked lou uh has the U.S. government tried to communicate with whoever could be piloting uh, piloting these crafts? And, of course, he says, I can't answer that. Mm -hmm. Which, does he know the answer or does he not? It's one of those things. But anyways, so at the end of this meeting, which, again, uh, 
I'm a little confused at why Chris Mellon wasn't at this meeting and instead Lou and Tom were there. I feel like Chris Mellon would have been very well appointed to be at this meeting, but they agree to form a global partnership outside of the government official studies because things, you know, need to be shared. And the Italians give us a nice little thumb drive that had every single report they had from 1901 on of UAPs, including photos, the briefing of the 2004 event, everything, uh, all their information. And what did we give them? There, there should be cricket noises right now, Good basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> basically they said, well, you know, we can't give you, because at first they said, if we give you something restricted, you need to give us back some also restricted information mm-hmm. like this of the same weight. And Lou's like, mm, well, probably not. So I don't know. I, I'm sure a lot went on. That was clipped, obviously, to be a short meeting. Right. but. It was multiple hours, but it sounded like they were being very forthcoming and sharing uh, this information. And they they state how important it is for uh, governments around the world to share information because without sharing this information, it's useless. And I think that's an extremely important point. And it's true. So and I get the I get the the fact that it might be foreign technology. But anyways, so. We move on. We talked to Steve Justice. And again, this is where uh, Shane kind of said this as well, that Lou says, you know, it's either ours, it's foreign, or it's something else. And you can see how Steve Justice kind of is processing this stuff and says, uh, well, you know, Lou asked him how he'd feel if it was extraterrestrial. And he said, I'm really, really hesitant to go there because it opens up such a can of worms. And he said, but we'd be naive, the same sentence we all say, we'd be naive to think we're the only ones out there. And it's a legit possibility that that this could be something else. You know, we don't, don't know. And they talk about how in 2019, again, we have a Senator McCain uh, contribution to the field where he was the one behind the release of the 37 studies that uh, ATIP was conducting that involved invisibility cloaks and wormholes and anti-gravity and all sorts of fun, crazy science fiction stuff. Um, and it's, it's, it's really crazy to think about. So um, at this point, we have then Chris Mellon going to Vegas to meet, you know, former uh, Senator Harry Reid, who was, you know, the driving force behind ATIP getting that launched. And basically Mellon is telling him probably everything he already knows, but for TV uh, on all the research they've done so far and all the people they've talked to and what's happened with these different incidents and how many uh, different objects were cited and how they are transversing, you know, it's not only following around airstrike planes and, and missions, they're traversing the Atlantic to the Middle East. They were in Syria and in all over the place. And so one quote I really liked from Harry Reid here was he said, people who run from this are absolutely wrong. And that's a very, very good point because 
why are we running from something that is potentially uh, hostile? And he he then starts talking about KGB and Putin and says, Russia, there is no way they don't have more information and are not further in research and studying what the hell is going on than us. And uh, it's kind of crazy. So um, I think they kind of wrapped up the episode talking about Bigelow and then, you know, as and how Bigelow was certain it was extraterrestrial life. And they kind of they're tossing this idea around now. They've been very like, what do they say? Pussyfooting around this idea of could this be extraterrestrial life? And mm-hmm. they they talk to an astrophysicist and he kind of talks about how many planets there are, how many could be habitable uh, and all this stuff. And then. They wrap up by Tom and Lou having the emotional encounter that Shane mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> talking about the Navy uh, officially changing their reporting process. And and this is a big thing. And Tom is very much uh, under the fact of I worked so hard and to see things actually changing is great. Um you know, there were a couple other meetings with official insiders and and whatnot. But uh, th- I mean, that's a basic that was a long wrap up of the basic finale. You know, but then we have the, 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 the cliffhanger last scene. What, which one? Where Lou stands oh, oh. up and walks away. Where they oh, say, yeah. do you think the public can handle the truth? About right. This? That, yes. Sorry. Sorry. That final quote. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was the one moment where I, I was like in the middle of a, a really quiet room and I was listening on my headphones and I just went, oh, shit. I loved it. I love that last moment there. They, they such know a what TV moment. Yeah. Such a TV yeah. moment. I know. And so maybe I just such left that off that. for for that reason. I was like, <laughs> oh, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point, though, Maureen. Like, there was so much in these last two episodes. It felt so rushed. Like, clearly, clearly we know what this whole season was about. And I won't get ahead of any of what we're doing here in terms of, like, the overall perception of this project. But, like, it's clear they have an agenda in mind with what they're doing. And that was not any more obvious than in these last two episodes, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Shane, did you have any thoughts on on the final episode? Yeah, the um, uh, I wasn't that thrilled with the whole Italian connection and that mm-hmm. meeting and and all of that and that case in particular. Mm-hmm. But um, and it was weird how that guy was just had that weird smile on his it face the whole time. But yes. I, again, I get it's probably editing and mm-hmm. and uh, like Marine mentioned, there is probably hours meeting, not not five minutes or well, and also time they got. You've got a camera crew there. It's fun. Like the guy's probably smiling, saying, "Yay, I'm on TV." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe. Um, yeah, we. I've heard from several people that a lot of these individuals they met with are a little controversial and less than credible. Sure. So I, I do, I, I do find it a little disheartening that they built this up to be some super important meeting with some high, highly credible officials and scientists and government people yeah. when in reality these people have kind of been known for some dubious things in Italy so the fact that Elizondo didn't know that or didn't want to broach that topic it makes me a little wary moving forward I'm not gonna lie well right and y- yeah go ahead sorry, just one quick thing is 
Was this trip the same one that they did where Lou ended up showing all the was it Meyer photos or yes, photos or whatever he did? Yeah, be faked because they went they, yeah. they went there for so, a conference too. Yeah, so. right. So uh. that, that's and you know that was a big controversial thing, and I think that's why I was saying during my recap, like why the hell didn't they send Melon? <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is. Right. So it makes me think that maybe maybe they they must have filmed that a really really long time ago. Oh yeah, well I mean that was just I think that was only what a year or two ago. Yeah. I mean I think maybe I half think a year time seen, flies, but yeah, seen pieces bits and pieces where they've filmed stuff that we've then been briefed about already clearly uh, to where then it's making it into the TV show, but it was already public knowledge that this kind of stuff was happening. So here's. I, I guess two things that I want to talk about on, on this episode, and then we'll move to our overall opinions of the series or thoughts on the series. But in both episode five and six, there was something major that I noticed um, with Luz going to visit people. And that is he didn't bring his giant backpack. <laughs> he packed it. No, he packed it. That was the opening. Right. No, he packed it. But when you see him going into people's houses to meet people, he didn't yeah. have his backpack. I noticed that too. Yes. He yeah. finally realized what a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. His it would have been hilarious. If, <laughs> right. If he like busted it out and um, just to put the thumb drive into it. That yes. Been hilarious. It'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I know where I'm putting this in my backpack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it weird that I really hope that at least they gave them something in return? No, No, I was going to comment on that. I thought that was actually bizarre. I'm glad you brought it up. It's weird that they, the, the guy said, Hey, if you, you know, if we show you ours, you're going to show us or yours. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. that whole thing. And then Lou shut that down. Nope. Sorry. And then they're driving off with, you know, 13,000 cases and the, the Italian's entire re- record of their UFO activity. I mean, I, again, maybe editing, but that just seemed really odd to me. You know, it, yeah. it's, I, I, you know, I don't I don't know. It just stuck well, it's out. Like who, who the hell would want to work with us if we're going right. to do that? Right. Yeah. yeah. Hey. It's like big, bad U.S. And, That's right. You know, Look, we're doing something different than the U.S. government. But, hey, we're going to operate just like the U.S. government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Give we're us like, all the info. You get nothing. We're going yeah. to be cool uh, and take all your info. But, uh, yeah, we're better than you. So you can't have any of it. Here's yeah. the thing, too. Keeping TV in mind, we could probably reach out to Pinotti and he'd probably send us that same file. It's right. very true. Um, because yeah. other, and I think that maybe that was the most important part of this international meeting was stressing that international governments actually have official programs that are public and they do share and release information when they can. And we need to be better about that. So, um, why are we so secretive about everything when everyone else is doing something that will benefit humanity? Like they said, again, all this information is useless if we don't share it with other countries. Again, yes, I get the whole idea of of that this could be a foreign technology and we need to be careful or our own and not reveal too much. But there is stuff outside of that that we can share without uh, being a threat to our national security. So if we're not sharing those types of things, then what the hell are we doing? 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the show they were just trying to to reflect that the UFO phenomenon is global right. and that other governments are doing something. And maybe maybe in a way what they're saying to our own government is, hey, look, another government is perfectly willing to pony up all of its data. Um, maybe you should loosen your grip, USA. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it, so on yeah, that I note, I don't know. On here, here, here's a, a comment I have on the series overall. And I mean, watching these episodes and, you know, with that point of like them making it a point to say, oh, we just figured out that the UFO phenomenon is a global one or, oh, we just figured out that there's a might be a nuclear connection to UFOs because there are lots of UFO cases around nukes. It reminds me of watching anyone just diving into the UFO subject for the first time. And I mean, I said that from the, one of the first public appearances we saw with Lou Elizondo, you know, at the MUFON symposium or whatever, where he was sort of pandering, in my opinion, and telling people, you know, you were right all along, you know, after he just figured that out, that UFOs exist. Um, it seems like what it is, somebody just getting into looking into UFOs for the first time and realizing, oh, wow, there are a lot of UFOs out there. A lot of people see UFOs. Military sees UFOs. What's going on? People Scientists around the world see UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's presenting this information, again, like it's the first time. And I don't have a problem with that. Look, I think because this show is for people who aren't familiar with these topics and don't research it and study it like we do, I think that's great. But, you know, I think the execution might need a little work and... You know, I, I personally, I think the episodes work better as 30 minute episodes because the hour, I mean, they have about 10 to 15 minutes worth of content, in my opinion, in each, each episode, because like every five minutes they're doing a recap of what they already showed us yeah, or a recap yeah. of what they already showed us in the previous episodes, or they're telling us what's coming up in the next five minutes. Like you hear the same thing over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah. And every episode has gone back to like episode one and episode two of, of Fravor and, and the wingman pilot. And, you know, just all these same clips over and over and over. And you're like, dude, you have these hour long episodes. You've only got yeah. six episodes. And like the ending on these felt rushed. But they don't need to be rushed because they've got so much time they could fill with content, but it's all just like rehashing over and over yeah. the same stuff and setting up what's coming up. One, mm -hmm. one thing I forgot to mention that I think was also kind of an important little comment in the last episode was when Mellon was with Harry Reid mm -hmm. and he asked him about the extraterrestrial connection and topic mm -hmm. and whether he feels it's uh, similar to uh, what Bob Bigelow thinks and Reed said basically he thought it would affect his credibility right. if he says something about everything he knows. Yeah. And he basically alluded to a statement knowing something about extraterrestrial life. Right. And it sounded like he was kind of alluding to the fact that this could be very alien in nature. Right. I could be wrong, but that was the way it sounded. Yeah, no, I got that yeah. same same impression from what he was saying. I think that's what he was alluding to. Um, yeah, me too. Which is strange. I mean, you know, I, I get excited when I hear things like that. And, you know, he is certainly an incredibly uh, important person. He's, uh, I think, you know, he's, he's a trustworthy guy, probably. Um, very credible. But... 
you know, I have to remember and keep in mind that, you know, we see a lot of these old guys and, you know, he was looking old pretty old, guys. pretty old on that episode. <laughs> um, but, you know, it reminds me of Paul Hellyer. It really does when, when this kind of oh, stuff yeah. happens and <sighs> yeah. these, you know, important um, people who had high ranking government positions start saying this stuff in public, uh, making some pretty incredible claims and the source of those claims are what people have told them, not anything that they, you know, found out personally in their official capacity or anything. But as they got older, they started, you know, as old people do, start listening to stories and they have no reason to not believe the stories being told to them. So like Paul Hellyer reading a lot of books and talking to friends and stuff, like got these ideas that there are all sorts of aliens here. So I wonder if that's, partially true with Senator Reed. And he's even said like he hasn't personally gone through, you know, the, the reports from stuff that, that ATIP did, you know, yeah. he's had like staffers do it or something, but like he's relying on, on thirdhand testimony and, and stories and stuff to, to form his opinions. That's just my opinion. You know, what do I know? He could know that, you know, if he <laughs> hangs out with Bob Bigelow, which he probably does because they're buddies and they're both in Vegas, like maybe they hang out and have parties with aliens. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we, we also know that I think the end, the cliffhanger too, was basically uh, the fact that the government still is running a project just because ATIP is no longer officially quote right. unquote running. There was never a paper saying it ended and that they basically Lou was saying there for sure is still a multi-agency program going on now, uh, involving the study. So, and here's the interesting thing with that too, that, you know, I'm keeping an eye on is, you know, we know Lou left his position and, you know, he says that there's, you know, some bad feelings still there because of his leaving his position and sort of exposing, um, what ATIP was, but to the stars Academy is still like actively working and trying to enhance their partnerships with the government. Right. And, you know, despite Lou saying these bad things about ATIP and leaving ATIP because he was frustrated with it, they're trying to work with them. And he's also saying that, you know, it's not just operated by one group. Now it's spread out to, you know, be more uh, effective, um, so it sounds like that's a positive. It sounds like they're, they're able to do better work and get more answers, but still they're apparently not good. So, yeah, well, let's not forget the fact that, that, you know, the gentleman that came up and spoke to you guys after one of your panels at alien con was very, you know, they have to be approved. These, these yeah. uh, statements they're making have to be approved by Department of Defense. So, right. I mean, this is all going into the conspiracy that all the people launched about whether or not this is slow disclosure, or whether this is kind of tricking us into a doty like Paul Benowitz situation or or what have you. Or some people think it's advertisement for the Space Force or, or what have you. Um, very, you know, I don't know. I'm not reading too much into it, but yeah, I, I think the thing I sort of took away from the last two episodes and I, I guess the whole thing is that um, I always come back to something Jason said when the show 
uh, I think was on its first episode. And it just keeps driving home for me the fact that this is one narrative and one angle to all of this. And it's Tom DeLonge's narrative and to the stars and the people he's working with. And I think it's important to remember that no matter what to the stars says, no matter what they came to in terms of conclusions, which I don't think was anything, uh, that people all around the world are having UFO sightings and reporting them and weird experiences and um, that we should, we should focus on that to the stars is going to be doing this. We know it's about the military. We know it's about a threat. We know it's about building technology. Uh, We didn't even see anything from the atom project, which really disappointed me. Um, I know that's probably going to be the most like the longest journey when it comes to, to the stars is, analyzing metamaterials and everything but i was really overall disappointed with the series but it was so well done and so slick and so like it it was cool it was cool to watch the show play out and they had their own story but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it, it taught me almost nothing um except that uh tom DeLong makes some pretty cool background music too <laughs> right you know on the, i'm just curious what you guys think about this you know um and we touch on a little bit obviously lou and chris and steve and and you know the the big names uh, in ttsa are not you know ufologists they're not right. historically knowledgeable about ufology um i i would say tom is that tom would be it right. Um, but I don't know if they have other people advising or not. So like kind of taking a swing and a miss on explaining Rendlesham, for example, or some of these other cases or, or missing cases that might have made the point better. I, I just, I wonder, is it because maybe they lack that perspective? And I, and I, I know you guys have said the show is really, you know, geared toward, uh, the person who's un, not knowledgeable about UFOs, um, but, you know, obviously the UFO community is watching and is supportive and at the same time they're critical and all those things. But I'm just curious if they really have the level of knowledge of ufology in general and of specific cases to really be able to, you know, present it in, in the most accurate way. Yeah, no, that's a good concern. But, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, that's not really their focus and and again, this is just my opinion, but, you know, you have Lou who worked for a government UFO project and you have Tom who is extremely well read on this subject, um, knows a whole lot about this subject, but also has his established um, beliefs and, and, you know, he has been very vocal in the past about the narrative and motives and everything that's going on, he feels that, you know, he's got some of those answers and he feels that he's had some of these uh, beliefs of his confirmed by higher ups. So I think for their party of people, they've established this group and that's the knowledge and that's the narrative they're going with. Sometimes they're, they're, they're using a lot of resources they have too. I mean, we know they're working with or have worked with at some point, a whole lot of people in the UFO field. Mm -hmm. 
I was just going to say, sometimes it's better not to have a panel of a whole bunch of people really well-versed in the UFO field, especially sure. when it comes down to testing uh, trace evidence. That's extremely important because mm-hmm. I yeah. always see every single time it's like, oh, we have this awesome piece of metal. And this has happened to projects I've been involved in. And we like, we found this awesome lab to do it. These people are very credible. And then you find out it's like, well, all these lab workers or members of MUFON like yeah what no we need I like can, some uh, I can attest to that stuff. Maureen yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you know and and yeah. again this is this is the thing about TV too is I guarantee you all the story producers spent quite a bit of time researching each case doesn't mean they know everything they'll miss stuff but they are the ones that are sort of relaying the story and so Mm-hmm. It's, Yet nobody it's not, could get the Carl Sagan quote right. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I texted. I should tell the. I should tell the viewers this or viewers yeah. listeners this because it drove me crazy. Because as much as I love Chris Mellon, round two. I mentioned this the first time he said it. I think in episode one, he brings up the Carl Sagan quote and he misquotes it again. And I texted oh. these guys and I was like, "You guys." <laughs> Yep. What is going on? Like, how come we cannot get this quote right? Uh, so what do we think, guys? Yeah. O- overall, Maureen, what do you think of the series? Um, I think they did a good job of making it seem like a credible topic. Yeah, I will say that. Obviously, that's my um, general opinion. My overall personal opinion as a UFO researcher, obviously, like I said, there were times where I was extremely frustrated and annoyed and I had a lot of other feelings but um, overall I will say they brought it to a more credible level for the general public and for that reason hats off to them yeah absolutely what about you Shane yeah I think uh, similarly I I think if their goal was to educate the general public on the importance of UFOs and the relationship that has with the military um, and bringing them along carefully and easily. um, I think they, they did a pretty good job. It was different than any other UFO show. It was less entertainment, more informational. Um, But, you know, again, from our perspective, having, you know, deeper knowledge on the subject. Yeah, it was a little frustrating, but I think, um, and the second piece, if their goal was also to use the show, uh, in combination with their efforts, um, in Washington, DC to generate interest and commentary from Congress, in other words, bring this thing out of the fringe into a political arena where it can be addressed, which is really what has to happen for disclosure in the first place. They're the ones that control, you know, whether it's disclosed or not. I think they move the needle forward on that too as well. So I think, um, you know, overall, if they hit their target, they, they wanted to, I think they did. And I think it, um, you know, it was pretty impressive and it was different than what we've seen before. So, so in general, I liked it. Yeah, I did too. And I, I agree with Ryan. I think it was a, a really slick show. It was, it was a, you know, fun visually to watch. Um, you're right, Shane, different than other UFO shows. And something we've talked about on a few of these episodes is, is just how great it was to have their, their focus many times on destigmatizing the topic. That was really important, really great to see how they kept harping on that. 
But of course, the show was primarily focused on the military. It did have that narrative going and, and certainly some agendas there. And that's one of the negatives, I thought. I mean, that I think that brought some credibility to the topic. But at the same time, like we've already discussed on this episode, I think it sort of painted uh, an inaccurate picture of that maybe showing that UFOs only appear to, you know, fighter pilots. I mean, they mm-hmm. did talk to like some fishermen in Mexico who talked about <laughs> it, but primarily it was like, oh, our military are seeing these things. And then, oh, we just figured out that UFOs are seen in other countries too. I, I just think that the, the <laughs> UFO history and, and the UFO reality as a whole was sort of misrepresented. But again, with the focus on military, focus on Congress, um, you know, they knew what they were doing. But overall, I like the show. I, I pretty confident that it will be coming back for a season two. And I think because of that and having season one under their belt, I think it will be a more, more polished product and they'll be a little more comfortable. Um, and I think the, the storytelling will benefit from that. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And also, um, if they ever interview Colonel Halt again, I'm very curious to see if he ages at all, because I haven't seen him in person maybe for five years or so. And I swear he hasn't aged at all in the last two decades. <laughs> and it's the same with Travis Walton. There's some weird yeah. stuff going on, guys. Yeah. People it's those who have beams alien, coming down. Alien experiences do not yeah. age. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it right. It slows right. down time. Yeah. I mean, somebody did tell me they thought I was 23 at a, a counter the other day, and that's way younger than I am. So <laughs> really? they'll get for as long as you can. Take Lord. it. Yeah. I've never it. known that. <laughs> Well, citizens, as we wrap up this episode, I invite you to come join us in the Rogue Planet Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Rogue Planet. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the final two episodes of Unidentified or anything else UFO related that's on your mind. You can find more episodes of Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider so you're notified when we publish new episodes. And if you haven't done it already, please do us a big favor and take a minute to rate and review Unknown on your favorite podcast platform. You can always find this show at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Big thanks to our talented friend and fellow Rogue Planeteer Caleb Hanks for the show's intro and outro music. Check out all his work at TheClerkChronicles.com. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. I'm Maureen Ellsbury. I'm Ryan Sprague. And I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.